tale as old as time. You know the song, tale as old as time. <laughs> now this actually makes me giggle because when you think about when time actually started being recorded, that was about like 2900 BC in Mesopotamia, the time when they started like recording history and recording events. And if you think of it in the idea of like actual time, you know, like when we started recording and measuring minutes, that was about like 150 CE. Beauty and the Beast was a French story originally and it's kind of newer if you think of history as a whole. So that was about like 1740. So if we start thinking about like a tale as old as time, we should really be talking about Cinderella, which can be traced to 6th century BCE or BCE depending, you know, who you want to offend. So Cinderella is really a super duper old story. She had old names. I think it's originally like from a Greek tale about like a woman in Greece who loses her shoe because an eagle steals it it's crazy and it flies up in the air and then this like prince randomly gets it it's <laughs> it's a whole other thing and the prince is like in Egypt and he tracks her down because he wants to know who could odd, own such an odd shoe and then he marries her so that's like the oldest version of the story and then it gets retold and retold and retold throughout history and then we end up with modern day Cinderella which Disney kind of ruined and that's what I'm going to tap into today i want to talk about Cinderella and match it into our long tale on a road to human relationships and i want to talk about feminism because quite a lot of Cinderella in its purest form in its original tale um or one of the versions i prefer anyway it's an amazing lesson in feminism and community now i know we've talked about dating little no not yet anyway we've covered extremes extreme personality traits in relationships and how they can be toxic and i wanted to give the male side a break for a while and honestly my own brain for a while cuz it's like a lot of new information and we're going to switch teams and talk about the girlies and i know there's lots of like teams in between but we're going to you know this is my journey too <laughs> so females have extremes and misconceptions and the more i wanted to take a deep dive into like um more feminine power extremes i stumbled across new words and you know i have to stop and explain some of these new words and phrases so one of those phrases that i think it's important that we understand is feminism so this episode is going to explain feminism as i've learned to understand it and hopefully is the correct way what are the pros and what are the cons and how we can fit it into this relationship puzzle and um yeah so welcome to the journey if you're new <laughs> Thanks for joining the ride. If you're an old old player, uh it's going to be a bumpy one cuz you've come like mid take of a very long movie. So <laughs> let's go. Okay, so feminism, Cinderella. How we're going to link them together. Welcome to the journey. <laughs> um before I dived into feminism, I wanted to start from my own start and i wanted to explain what i thought feminism 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 you know i can't for some reason i'm struggling i know i'm struggling what i thought feminism was or is so i thought that feminism was a push for female equality and not equity so i think the difference between equality and equity is the idea that equality calls for a level playing field a starting point so we can all start from the same line if we're running a race together so equity on the other hand is this idea that some people are different and some people need a little boost or the start line 
was used for people so long ago that they're already 50 paces ahead. So in order to have any form of equality, we would have to start ourselves from their starting point rather than the beginning that they may have started on. It's this idea that you acknowledge differences and we need to know that people have crutches and they all need help in that sense. I have studied suffragettes in school and, you know, I understood that idea of feminism and the importance that is played in my life and other people's lives. And I acknowledge all the women and men who fought to get me to the place that I am today. Because without them, you know, I'd still be, I'll probably have like nine kids by now and just running a whole household. Not that that's a bad life, but I don't, I'm very happy with my current life. So, you know, I don't know if I'd be happy in that version of it, you know. So that's what I thought feminism was. So now I've learned it's not really that. There's a lot more nuance to it. There's a lot more layers to it. So let's go first to Wikipedia. Wikipedia tells us that feminism is a range of socio-political movements and ideologies that aim to define and establish the political, economic, personal, and social equity of the sexes. Feminism incorporates the position that societies prioritize the male point of view and that women are treated unjustly within those societies. So I think that's a really cool definition. But if we go to the dictionary, feminism is described slightly differently. So it's described as one, the advocacy for human women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes. Two, a theory of po political, economic, and social equity of the sexes, similar to Wiki. The third definition was the belief that men and women should have equal rights and opportunities. Fourth definition is the doctrine advocating social, political, and all other rights of women equal to those of men. Now, I like all these points and definitions into feminism. I thought it cleared it up a lot. It's this push for equality, not just, you know, a level playing field, whatever that may look like, but specifically in many different areas. We're trying to make a deep dive. And that the more I read on feminism, I realized there's no single definition, but it really just boils down to ending gender discrimination and bringing out gender equality or at least equal chances to do the same things, which I think is really cool. So feminism came about in four different waves over history. The first wave we kind of see and we can kind of boil down to, and I'm splitting these waves into four different ways, but I want to call them like the first wave, I think when you kind of describe them, it's like the what happened. And the second wave is like the when and the third, the why and the fourth is kind of the who. So first wave, the what? The first wave happened in the 19th century. And it's not the first appearance of feminist ideas because whenever there's injustice, there's obviously people who've noticed it. But it's the first real political movement for the Western world. And this is key. Remember this. So 1972, we have this woman, Mary Wollstonecraft, Craft, who publishes this revolutionary vindication of the rights of women. And then in the eight, in around 1848, uh, about 200 women meet in this church and they come up with 12 resolutions asking for very specific rights. And um, one of them was the right to vote. So the first wave of feminism has a fairly simple goal. Have society recognize that women are humans and not property. While the leaders of the first waves were abolitionists, like they wanted to end slavery and all that as well, their main focus was on white women's rights. And this exclusion actually haunts feminism for years to come, including today. It's still like a big issue that the basis of it was not for everyone. And therefore, it really omitted some serious things when they were making their pushes. But then again, you know, you can't blame them. You fight for those, you know, you fight for your clan when you're making a movement and you tend to exclude other groups because it gets kind of dicey, as we'll see. Okay, next wave, 
are when is around the 1960s and 70s when women challenged their role in society and they were inspired by civil rights movements and the Vietnam Vietnam War and activists focused on the institutions that held women back. I think this happened kind of because women also started realizing that you don't really have to do things. Around the Vietnam War, a lot of people realized that they don't want to go to war. And why are we fighting war for, you know, like the man or whatever? So you get these three types of feminism emerging. There's the mainstream liberal version, the radical version, and the cultural version. So the mainstream feminism focuses on institutional reforms, which meant reducing gender discrimination, giving women access to male-dominated spaces, and promoting equality. Radical feminism wanted to reshape society entirely, saying that the system was inherently patriarchal and only an overhaul would bring liberation. It resisted the belief that men and women were basically the same. And cultural feminism had a similar view and taught that there's female essence that's distinct from men. So this is more of a, I call it a when movement, because this is like about the time when we start seeing what we now know as feminism. So the first wave defined what feminism kind of looks like. Women are are not profitably. And I think that's important. The next is this like when, this like when we get this idea of it. The third wave, I feel, answers the why. Why are we doing it? So the third wave comes around like the 80s and 90s. This is like, you know, my parents' gen. They, women are able to think about aspects of their identity, welcoming, individuality. Um, so it's the area of reclaiming. So now we get the Eve Ensler, the vagina monologues, brilliant. The Gorilla Girls, we get punk rock, riot girls, sometimes resisting traditional femininity. So we get these new ideas of intersectionality. And finally, um, we bring up race disparities and gender differences. And inherent, inherent new voices are allowed to rise. So we have this, why are we doing this? So we now realize that women want change. Women aren't the same. The second wave is this when we get the real big movements of um, when we're getting these ideas together of feminism, like these newer ideas, what we know today. And then we get this why wave or why are we doing this? Because women are, I can think the when kind of adds the why, but you know, I'm trying to be pretty with my English anyway. So now the fourth wave comes in and people think the fourth wave, we're still in it. Other people think it's like over and we're going into a newer wave, but I think we're kind of still in it. It's just the who. So the who wave is like, who are we fighting for? So we know what we're fighting for. We know when about we start getting our gears together on what this movement really is. And the who is like, where, who are you fighting for? So uh, it's this reckoning of intersectionality, the critics of white feminism, which ignores the struggles of women of color exposure to how non-whites feminists and ideas have been and continue to be suppressed you get trans women and trans rights being and men sorry being part of the conversation too and feminism has often been unwelcoming or hostile place for people who identify as um you know um, trans or gay or anything and reject the gender binary roles because initially feminism challenge this idea that women aren't property, which, you know, everyone can agree with. But then you start saying that, you know, like women have traditional roles and, you know, they can do more than that, but, you know, you're still a wife and whatever. But then we get these new ideas that, you know, maybe you don't have to be a wife or, you know, we get these more like masculine take on roles. And that's where we get these like, who are we really fighting for and what do we really want? And um, so feminism is now 
uh, in this fourth wave and it's a super creative wave and it's a super exciting experience. But um, many fourth wave feminists are trying to combat this exclusion, which is really cool to see. But one thing you have to understand now is in this fourth wave, we've acknowledged the fact that feminism is complex. So what's wrong with feminism? First one, I think it's kind of obvious. It's really complex. It's not like a, it's not a binary thing. And once you realize something is non-binary and it has multi-binds, I don't know, multi-nary? I don't know. Maybe this is where we get this like multiverse. No, I'm drifting, I'm drifting. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. So it's too complicated to dumb down. It's complex. That's one thing people find wrong with it. And that's one thing I probably found wrong with it because I didn't want to tackle anything that complex. Second thing I realized is um, some people actually feel that males will disappear in this argument. You know, when like you get arguments, which I thought was really funny. Like if women can learn how to breed by themselves, men become useless. I think that's very ignorant. (laughs) There's a lot of gender bias in the conversations that I think people need to get over. The male view and perspective is extremely important. And I don't think the roles of men in society or even just traditionally men, male roles or roles that can only be acted by men, I don't think will fully disappear. I'm, I don't think I'll be proved wrong either, but then again, who knows? Uh, feminism is really well received. It's seen as an aggressive form of thinking. Um, and we get tribal feminists who are more interested in enforcing thoughts and perceptions about women rather than becoming women that others wish to see or becoming women that other girls want to look up to. And this is where we kind of bring in the idea of Cinderella. You remember the story. <laughs> or you remember the movie, at least. I don't know if your parents read to you as a child. My, my dad read to us and my mom too. But it's a story about this girl. Her mom dies and her dad kind of dies too. And she's left with her stepmom and stepsisters who abuse her and make her clean and everything. And they one day there's this big party and the prince is like, whoever, you know, I like the most, I'm going to marry. So the sisters go and try and get, you know, wed to this guy she stays at home she's crying and then the fairy godmother comes and in some tales like i think the german version it's uh, a tree she cries to becomes like the spirit of her mother and gives her like like the dress and the hair and the clothes and you know the carriage and everything and she gets to go to this ball but she's told you don't make it back by midnight you're gonna lose everything and then you have to come back home so she runs back by midnight but she leaves her shoe behind so the prince goes looking around the land like whoever owns this shoe i'm gonna marry her it's kind of like the the greek tale we talked about in the beginning so it's kind of wild and kind of crazy. And this crazy story, he finally finds her and he marries her because the shoe fits. Oh my gosh, that sounds like if the glove fits OJ. Okay, I shouldn't laugh at that. It's terrible. Anyway, so the shoe fits and he marries her. In the Disney version, I think the story is poorly told. I think the story is poorly told because Cinderella doesn't really talk. She like sings a bit and she cries and she goes, oh, you know, ooh, what are you doing there? And, ooh, and whatever. You don't really get like a decent, inspiring conversation. So a lot of us grew up and realized <laughs> Cinderella's low-key the worst. But if you go into Cinderella's history, which is something I really, truly love to do, this podcast actually almost ended up being a, a retelling of old folk tales, which I know, who knows, we might still dive into. Maybe I'm good at this. I might not be. Anyway, so in other versions like the Vietnamese Cinderella or the Chinese Cinderella or the Arabic or, you know, even old German, she's clever and witty and she's like goes to the ball several times and like outwits her step parents. And in some ways she like in some stories, she like kills her step parents, which gets out pretty dark. Um, and a big thing in the story is. The, okay, let me side note for a second. 
I don't think this is a terrible story because I think the story of Cinderella is extremely important. I think it's an early way to teach children that families aren't always perfect. We get families that will break apart and mend in other ways. So sometimes in that time when this story was being told over and over again, you had women who died at early ages and men who had to remarry because they weren't, you know, they weren't going to raise these kids. So what happens in those stories, you have to teach children that sometimes stepmom may not be nice. Sometimes, you know, things won't go your way. It's this idea that you may be born into wealth, that but the wealth could disappear in a second and you may end up in a bad situation. So what happens in those situations? I think Disney retells it in that, Nothing gets to happen unless there's a magical intervention. But in the more rudimentary stories and the older version of the stories, the godmother isn't completely this like omniscient, all-knowing, amazing being. It's supposed to be that the grandmother is, is another member of the community who notices Cinderella's struggle and tries to help her to the point where she becomes her um, champion and she helps her get to where she needs to be. It's it's this idea that sometimes you won't have, she may have had the look, she may have had everything she needed to be successful, but she didn't have the opportunity. So this godmother gives her these opportunities. And when Perrault, who was a French writer, wrote his version of um, Cinderella, he actually says the most important moral of the story is not, is that no endowment can guarantee success and happiness. And sometimes a godparent, a member of society who has committed to care for someone outside his or her own family needs to get involved. We are all meant to be godparents to other people. It's up to us to teach younger generations what happiness is. And it's more important and more complicated than saying I do and support them as they find their way beyond the inadequate roadmap that we have until now been handing them. So Perrault was pushing that we were given a terrible roadmap. As you can see with feminism, it started off a bit too simple and then it gets more complex and more complex and more complex to the point that um, where it's it's a complicated tale. Cinderella, I think we went in the reverse. It started as a very complicated story and that got super dumbed down over history. Cinderella is very interesting because it's a tale about women and the modern version doesn't give any of those women a voice, which I think is wrong. But in the older version, each one of those women like has speaking roles and everything. So it's this idea that these women should have been helping each other because they were all in a very bad situation. Lost a husband, you know, the stepsisters probably lost an original mother. The Cinderella herself was struggling. These women should have like recognized each other's struggle and banded together to help each other. But instead this other woman comes in and sees the problem and tries to help fix it. It's this story of women championing women. It's a if you ask me, it's a very feminist tale. It's this idea that women who've been there before and struggled don't want other women to struggle. And I think this is a tale that not only women can recognize, but I'm quite sure men and anyone else in between or feels in between can relate to. We should, it would be nice to have an older version who could have guided us. But now we're the older version, we're supposed to guide others. And I think that's one thing that may be originally wrong with feminism. And that's why um, a lot of people haven't really gone into it too deeply because it doesn't feel like a banding together. It feels like a big old clique that's attacking everyone else. I feel like if we can understand that that's what it is in its rudimentary form, it's this idea that we've 
been harmed, but we don't we want it to end with us. We've been held back because we're women. We've been told we cannot because we were women, but it's no more. That's the supposed to be, I, I think that's the essence of feminism. It's this idea of no more, no more just because I'm a woman. Maybe because, you know, I actually suck, suck at basketball. I should be stopped rather than I cannot, I, I cannot be a man. Therefore, I'm stopped from doing certain things. I think you kind of get the idea. So that's what I think feminism, nah, feminism is. I was going so strong too. Feminism is in its essence. And that's why I think it's important. I think it echoes this idea of the podcast, this theme of the podcast, which is we should love each other enough to have discord and hard conversations and push for the betterment of humanity. Feminism is hard, especially in a Western age, because you're not taught to look out for yourself or even to some extent, I think like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or like these like self-help books for like getting rich, talk about the importance of legacy. I know Jordan Peterson argues about the importance of legacy as well. I think feminism in its best form is an argument for legacy and for promoting this newer age for a fairer future for all mankind. It's. I don't think it dismisses the male role. I don't think it should push away the importance of fathers and families or um, how the family setup should be or is in its best form. I think it's just, it, it should push that if anyone wants to be something or if anyone wants to do something, the way they were born shouldn't stop them from doing that. And I know you can get into like silly arguments, but like, you know, what if they want to do, I don't know, what if they want to like be a man fully? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that's what, feminism is fighting for you know like just kind of like a like the way a screwdriver works you could be like you can you can use it as a hammer but you know that's not what it's intended for i think it's like feminism is intended to bring to say no more to mistreatment because of gender and now i'm rambling at this point but that's that's my point um what do we do with this information we're going to apply it into the long-term argument We're going to play with it a bit more and play with this idea a bit more in other episodes. I just really wanted to explain this term. I thought the uh, intersectionality between it and Cinderella was extremely interesting, and I wanted to get into that. So thank you for listening. If you came this far, if you got bored halfway through, sorry. If you didn't, um, I super duper love you, and thank you for listening. This has been CPA Chanda Pays Attention. Um, subscribe. Bye.